Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels. Our guest this episode, we've got Todd Caspers from North Dakota Game and Fish Fisheries Department. Todd is a biologist located in Devil's Lake. It's the first time having him on, so it's really fun to get to know him and learn a little bit about his career and how long he's been up there. Uh, But we're going to be talking about perch biology on Devil's Lake. Really great episode here. Uh, Definitely look forward to the next one already, uh, but learned a ton from Todd. Got a lot of great perspective. So let's get into it here. We've got Todd Caspers, fisheries biologist for North Dakota Game and Fish on Devil's Lake. We're talking perch. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Devil's Lake is one of North Dakota's premier outdoor recreational destinations. And to find out more about what the lake and the community of Devil's Lake has to offer, head to devilslakend.com. That link is in the description. Everybody listening to this podcast has a passion for the outdoors. Wouldn't it be great? Or have you ever even thought about how great it would be to live and work in and around like-minded people, making a difference, contributing to the resources that you love so much? The North Dakota Game and Fish Department is hiring. If you're just starting out, if you're looking to build your resume, seasonal wildlife and fisheries technicians are the perfect way to gain experience and spend the summer with cool people just like you. If you're currently sitting in your office, you're sick of staring at the same four walls, enough is enough. Join a team of elite outdoor conservationists and become a district game warden. If you or somebody that you know needs to learn more about these opportunities, head to the link that is in the description of this podcast. That's gf.nd.gov slash jobs. You work for North Dakota Game and Fish. You're in the fisheries department. You're a biologist in Devil's Lake. And we're going to get to all that. Uh, we spend all our time talking about that. But I do, it is your first time on. So I do want to ask you some personal questions and find out, you know, where you're from and, and uh, you know, just maybe some, some of your fishing background, maybe not necessarily the biology stuff, but, um, you know, what kind of got you into fishing? Do you love fishing? Do you grow up with a passion for it? Did you have mentors? Did you, what, where did you, where, where did you get your start, man? Let's start there. Like, where are you from? And, uh, what's kind of your background just in fishing in general? Go ahead. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I grew up on a farm in like north central iowa by kind of mason city area folks are familiar with that area and i got started fishing you know when i was probably oh 10 i suppose like uh dad and some other relatives were gonna go to canada and then you know i was around the age of say oh you want to go and so i said yeah okay and i caught you know at the time i thought it was huge northern you know long as my leg but you know it was probably only really a 24 inch or something at the time but to a kid you know that was really something and so yeah i was just kind of hooked on fishing ever since i got into you know fishing and then my one grandpa he he'd take me fishing and hunting and things like that so that's how i kind of got into the outdoors lifestyle getting into the job you're at now right like typically you got to get some kind of a degree you kind of got to make a decision to you know go to college and pursue this like or get an education anyways tell me a little bit about that well i you know i always kind of enjoyed science going through school and did well in you know science classes and i didn't really know what i wanted to do necessarily right away so i just kind of went to a community college back home for a couple years and you know, I, a recruiter from like Iowa State, you know, came and talked to us and about, you know, the fish and wildlife field and everything. And I ended up thinking that that was something I wanted to pursue. So I ended up going to Iowa State and getting a bachelor's degree and then ended up going to University of Wisconsin, Stevens Point to get a master and master's in fisheries essentially after that. So that was kind of my educational background. And how did you get to Devil's Lake? Well, you know, I saw the advertisement for a position and applied, and here I am. <laughs> right on. What what year was that? How long have you been in Devil's Lake? I, I started in, in 2012 with the North Dakota Game of Fish Department. You know, I had worked seasonal jobs, and, and which is pretty typical for somebody trying to get into the field. You know, you end up usually having to work some seasonal jobs. 
to kind of get your feet wet and get some experience and to, you know, eventually get a permanent position. So, yeah, I mean, I worked, you know, seasonal jobs with Iowa and Wisconsin a little bit too. So, and right. yeah, I got on, got on with North Dakota. Yeah. Yeah, man. And Devil's Lake, I mean, especially, you know, in the wintertime, it is the hub uh, of, of for ice anglers, especially when we talk uh, jumbo perch. And so that's kind of what I really wanted to have you on today is to really dive into your job and 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 Devil's Lake and and the fishery itself and and talk for as long as we can about the perch fishery and and I got a handful of questions but really um you know I, I don't know exactly where this entire conversation is going to go I got a few notes written down but I kind of just wanted to maybe start it off and pass that topic along to you and just maybe have you kind of Give us a, a, you know, sort of the status of uh, the perch on Devil's Lake. Oh, I mean, right now the perch population is I mean, kind of similar to average, what you'd call it. I mean, it goes up and down, of course, like pretty much any other fishery anywhere else. They have their ups and downs. But, you know, right now we're kind of middle of the road in terms of abundance on perch overall. And, you know, the sizes of perch that anglers are going to be interested in on devil's lake are more or less average right now except for you know like the kind of 12 inch plus jumbo perch according to our you know netting survey this past summer they looked like they were going to be a little more abundant than usual so that's a good thing (laughs) people will be happy to hear that right oh yeah for sure and i mean Maybe dial me in a little bit on that, talking about growth rates and year classes and the age of some of these fish in correlation to how big they are. Like, walk me through how Devil's Lake typically operates with its year classes. And and, and maybe you got to just maybe pick a couple of the recent year classes that are looking pretty good out there and just maybe kind of use them as a diagram as to, you know, the growth rates and the age classes and the year classes. Yeah, okay. I mean... I mean, in general, according to our netting surveys, the perch, their reproduction is kind of volatile in that they don't produce a good year class every year. In fact, it's kind of either or. Not so much lately, but in the past it was, you know, you'd have a strong year class and they would kind of drive the fishery for for several years. But then, you know, in between those, there wasn't a whole lot of reproduction most years. I mean, they weren't like complete year class failures either necessarily, but, you know, they just weren't very high either. Um, We've seen a little bit more moderation in that since, you know, it looks about like 2016 or so on on my, you know, kind of graph I'm taking a look at here. Um, So we've seen a few more kind of moderate ones, which is... A good thing, but uh, uh, the 2018 probably hatch was a pretty strong one according to our netting results, and so you know, kind of follow them a little bit. You know, some of our growth information we have on the perch, and we haven't studied them as much as the walleyes, but uh, you know, at age essentially that first you know, winter when we start to call them age one. They'd probably be more or less 4.8 inches or so. And then, you know, the next winter when you start calling them age two is, a, you know, probably 7.4 inches. And then age three is about 9.4 inches. And then age four, they'd be about 11.1 inches. Age five, they're going to be about 12.1 inches. That's a fast-growing perch. I mean, you're talking about... I mean, for a lot of people, I think, you know, a keeper perch, uh, you know, in that nine to 10 inch range, I mean, I mean, it only takes about three years for a year class, uh, you know, if it's going to do well to, uh, you know, start producing for the angler. I find that pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, they get to that, you know, kind of attractive size fairly quick and, you know, and then even age six is like 12.6 inches. So. That's probably what we're going to be looking at on those fish, you know, this winter, kind of 23, 24 winter, those, 
you know, it was kind of 13 inch fish, roughly. It'll probably be a lot of those kind of 2018 year class fish. So that's why we're probably going to see a little stronger numbers of those this year. And, you know, talking about the recruitment, like the age classes, like when there's the boom and bust as far as like the spawning and the, you know, the, the reproduction, like, like, what does that generally mean? Like, what, what is the habitat? Like, what can you tell me that the Devil's Lake perch, um, you know, are really looking for in terms of like spawning habitat or conditions on any given year? Well, I mean, perch in general, of course, they, they have those kind of egg skeins they're called where the, you know, the eggs kind of stick together to each other in ribbons and, and they want to let be laying those on some sort of vegetation or woody debris or something like that. So they're always looking for, you know, the right habitat to lay their eggs in the first place to kind of keep them up off the bottom, so to speak. So, yeah, I mean, a year with, you know, say a year when we had a lot of runoff or something like that, or even maybe the year before, and there's still, you know, a good amount of flooded, you know, vegetation around. Or if there's even good amount of, you know, vegetation in places left over from the year before, I mean, they'll be looking for places like that to spawn and lay their eggs. And then, you know, from there, it's just kind of up to Mother Nature what happens to them after that, whether you have good weather for the eggs to kind of develop and then hatch, or if it get a big cold spell or something, it'll set them back and they have to just sit there longer and longer and longer and longer they have to sit and wait to hatch the more chance they won't do well or that predators eventually just come and pick them all off before they can even hatch and then you know when you get those fish that i do ideally do hatch in decent numbers and they have to have suitable food sources when they are coming off of that kind of yolk sac they have that feeds them initially and then they have to start finding their own food so you need food abundance for them to to get started too and then you know food for the rest of their life as they go through the rest of their life so it's a lot of factors like that that's what kind of fascinates me and i feel like that's like the bigger that's really the bigger conversation that we need to have a little bit more often because as anglers i feel like you know, we look at the angling experience where we're, we're either catching fish that we want or we're not. And we got to point the finger somewhere. We got to have an exclamation uh, or an explanation for why everything's so good or everything's so bad. We got to feel like we just know stuff. But the reality is, is that, you know, for a good year class to make it, you know, in their first few years or first few weeks or months of life, like a lot of things, a lot of things got to be in alignment with the with each other. Uh, for things to go good for a lot of them to make it like for for a full-on year class to actually happen and devil's lake's a huge body of water like how do you explain some of that stuff as far as like you know do do you find suitable habitat everywhere across the fishery um like is is uh is when a good year class of perch like when you're saying good year class of perch are you looking at that like you know, in a certain percentage of the lake that really carries the load, does the whole lake do good, uh, have to do good to really consider it to be like a good year class? Like, like, like how do we sort of paint that big picture of like for how big and diverse Devil's Lake is? Well, and there's, you know, there's probably some variability in that too. Um, you know, some years we have kind of, I've noticed we kind of see, you know, decent numbers, kind of on average, but kind of the lion's share of that, they'll actually be coming from just a few nets. So, I mean, they, you know, the perch school up too, so there's variability there too when you're trying to net them. But, you know, they tend to produce a little better more towards the east, I think. Yeah, just numbers. Do you feel like there's like an easy or obvious explanation for that? Not really. <laughs> I've thought about it. I don't really know why. You know, the anglers would agree. I think, you know, in most cases, when you look at East Bay or off into East Devil's Lake, like, you know, I think if you were ever going to go somewhere to just mark fish in your first hole, you know, that happens a lot more often as you, the farther you go east. But that doesn't always mean that that's where the best days of fishing happen. So that's why I say like, yeah. I mean, you know, know, once they're produced, they can go wherever they want. Of course, when they grow up, but I mean, our, you know, tend to get a little better numbers in our test nets, you know, on young perch and eat towards the East in general. Gotcha. Right. I mean, on. Not all the time either, but right. Right. Some right. years it's, <laughs> you catch a lot of fish in just one net and then the rest of them aren't, aren't that good, but. 
Sure. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, how much do the perch move, do you feel like? I mean, that's it maybe without, you know, radio collars or whatever, this might be impossible to answer. But, you know, even just like for spawning and stuff like that, do you feel like there's like a perch migration that happens? Like, do they go... Do they go back to specific places to spawn or, you know, uh, you know, is that maybe overthinking it? These fish are just living where they're living. And when it's time to spawn, they just head to the nearest bit of shallow water. Like, like how do the perch operate in that way? Do we know anything that way? I mean, they're probably going to, you know, kind of do what you mentioned to just kind of go towards the shallows and start looking for suitable habitat that they want to try to spawn on. But I mean, some systems I've heard that they, kind of make a little bit of an upstream run into a river as well so like if there's like current current involved yeah, maybe and if there's some current to maybe draw fish from that area too yeah although you don't really hear about people fishing for the perch run in devil's lake though either so yeah 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 i mean and here's one I, I you know i don't know if this is this is much but i get a ton of questions when you talk about um you know, year classes of fish or the success of, uh, you know, uh, the certain year classes of fish. Talk about predation. Like, how, how do we have a, a conversation about predation? Is it, 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 you know, with, with especially with northern pike? Because I feel like, you know, the, a lot of people would agree the northern pike are down. Maybe you can verify that. But the northern pike populations are definitely down. Do you feel like, you know, the, the, the predation as a whole, like that, that's a big conversation to have when you talk about the success of perch or the failure of perch. Um, and, and, and do you feel like the pike being down right now is having an, any sort of a positive effect? Um, or is that maybe not as big of a factor? Well, it's probably not really much of a factor in setting, you know, like a year class strength, you know, that's more, you know, kind of up to mother nature and, with the conditions that are provided for those young fish when they hatch and if they're even going to hatch and if they're suitable habitat and for you know, the eggs to get laid in the first place. I mean, pike don't really have much to do at all with that. So, you know, and we've seen from some, some of our data that uh, pike and perch are actually a little bit positively related, but it's, it's a really messy relationship. I mean, the, you know, condition, so that uh, kind of will help perch out and reproduce and probably be conducive to pike reproducing too because they have a similar strategy and that they like to lay their eggs on, you know, some sort of vegetation or something like that too and their eggs will stick to it. And similar to perch, they don't, they don't necessarily form those skeins of eggs as they're called. But So, you know, conditions that will help, you know, kind of perch reproduction are probably going to be in general kind of favorable to pike reproduction as well. So, yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, it'll impact it some. I mean, it won't change the number of fish that got hatched or anything like that. But, you know, as they grow up, if you got a lot more predators, you know, I mean, pike or even walleye included, you know, the they'll kind of whittle down the numbers as you go along. You know, it's natural mortality, which is part of, you know, predation is part of that. So, I mean, right now the walleyes are probably eating more. <laughs> yeah. More perch than the pike are just because there's really strong numbers of walleyes in the system right now. And the pike are, are down compared to what they had been at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about forage base, um, you know, as it kind of pertains to the growth rates and just, you know, the, these fast growing fish and and how many we have out there. I mean, this is all just such good stuff, man. But, you know, the forage base, I mean, we've got freshwater shrimp. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not even saying that right. I just call we call I call them shrimp. Um, is that everything that the perch are eating? Is that is that the big driver of the forage base? Like, like what can you tell me about forage base and some you know just some of the interesting sort of correlations or topics or data that kind of helps explain um, why the perch or other species are successful or not on Devil's Lake? Well, in general, yeah. The, I mean, the freshwater shrimp, as a lot of people call them, they're actually like amphipods or they're also called scuds. Are you know, pretty prevalent in Devil's Lake. Um, we don't have real good data on, you know, like their yearly abundances or anything like that. But in general, they're kind of the bread and butter forage species. They were, you know, we tried, that was before I was here, but they had tried to kind of get a handle on their yearly abundances. But, the, 
you know, the trapping essentially just produced such kind of wild estimates that it really wasn't valuable. So I mean, you couldn't really make much sense out of it. So they decided not to do that anymore. Um, and, you know, it's not really a problem that, you know, we live and die by the scud numbers or anything either. So we don't see like periods where the fish are just extremely fat and happy. And then we go to, you know, fish starving to death. It's not kind of a boom or bust thing in Devil's Lake. It's just kind of a steady system in a way. Everybody listening to this podcast has a passion for the outdoors. Wouldn't it be great? Or have you ever even thought about how great it would be to live and work in and around like-minded people, making a difference, contributing to the resources that you love so much? The North Dakota Game and Fish Department is hiring. If you're just starting out, if you're looking to build your resume, seasonal wildlife and fisheries technicians are the perfect way to gain experience and spend the summer with cool people just like you. If you're currently sitting in your office, you're sick of staring at the same four walls, enough is enough. Join a team of elite outdoor conservationists and become a district game warden. If you or somebody that you know needs to learn more about these opportunities, head to the link that is in the description of this podcast. That's gf.nd.gov jobs. Devil's Lake, North Dakota is one of North Dakota's premier outdoor recreational destinations. We talk about the fishing all the time on this show, but to find out what the lake and the community has to offer, which is way more than we ever talk about on this show, you can head to devilslakend.com and get all that. We're talking about the lodging and restaurant options and just the lay of the land and everything going on in the community. There's all kinds of stuff all summer long going on in and around the community of Devil's Lake. Also, our favorite, the fishing tab. It's going to give you real-time fishing reports, directions to fish cleaning stations and boat landings and shore fishing piers, which are awesome, by the way. Also, it's going to give you a list of options for boat rentals or guide services and bait shops. Everything that you need to plan your next adventure in Devil's Lake is at devilslakend.com. That link is in the description of this podcast. fish whatever it is that they want to decide that they want to eat they can always fall back on the shrimp i suppose that's uh that's just a really really good way to put it but is that i mean that's like the baseline is there is there any other portion of that story like 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 when it, when we talk about forage and growth rates is there anything else that you've seen while working that's been interesting to you as it pertains to forage species or just things that were positive or negative about you know, the success or failure based on forage for anything else? Well, something I'd mentioned is that we had done, we'd partnered with um, South Dakota State University years ago to kind of do some walleye population modeling. And as part of that, they found that, uh, you know, our, our scuds essentially were a really kind of high energy invertebrate. So they were, you know, the walleyes anyway were supposedly going to grow just as well on, you know, like a diet of amphipods as they would on minnows, say. So they're kind of like the Cadillac of invertebrates. <laughs> they're really energetically dense. I mean, of course, it depends on how hard they have to work to get, you know, a belly full of those too. I mean, if there's not very many of them, then they have to work harder, you know, getting a belly full essentially. So Versus if they're really abundant, then they don't have to forage for very long and get more out of it, essentially. But, but yeah, well, I mean, part of that, they figured that, you know, walleyes would actually lose weight if they were just trying to subsist on leeches. Because those aren't as energetically good as, say, a scud. Do you guys do, like, doing growth rates and, you know, collecting all your data and stuff on Devil's Lake? Do you, you know, walk me through a little, like, your schedule of that. Do you do it during a certain time of year? Do you do it year-round? Like, when you're netting fish and collecting data, like, what's your schedule on that? Well, on Devil's Lake, we're doing, we're usually starting, you know, our netting survey on that. Um, You know, it depends on how the calendar falls, but 
you know, generally after the 4th of July, we usually start to do our main Devil's Lake netting survey. And then that takes so roughly two weeks to to do all that netting. And then uh, we do, um, you know, fall reproduction survey, which is essentially kind of repeating that survey, but with different nets to, to target just the young of the year fish. And we're doing that in September. And again, it, you know, takes roughly two weeks depends on how many days we have to <laughs> sit at the office waiting for the wind to die down sometimes but right on and and one thing we haven't even we haven't even touched on but you know just trying to you know kind of wrap kind of finish wrapping my head around the whole forge based conversation i like that you brought up you know that you know we do our shrimp are pretty valuable and they're consistent i think that that's a big i think that's a big those are, those are you know, you know, valuable. Talking about um, you know the high energy, like they're a great food source, and we always have them because not everybody, not every fishery, can really say that. Like in fact, that that is definitely, I feel like gotta be what makes Devil's Lake kind of special in that way, w- wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, you know, they're in general more abundant in in Devil's Lake than a lot of other other lakes which is a good thing to have because <laughs> they, you know, they're kind of the bread and butter, you know, invertebrate forage. I mean, there's all kinds of invertebrates in the lake, of course, you know, back swimmers and, you know, the various, you know, fly larva and things like that, coronamid larva or blood worms that people mm-hmm. call them a lot of times. I mean, there's certainly a good amount of other forage items too for invertebrates but besides the scuds. But yeah, I mean, they're kind of a, you know, bread and butter, forage item for a lot of our fish species in, in devil's lake um you know people talk about you know you drill a bunch of holes looking for perch and then you drill a couple holes where a whole bunch of shrimp come out of the hole well that's going to be a good perch hole well there's a bunch of bunch of shrimp obviously right under the ice but maybe it's 30 feet deep that i'm trying to fish in like like uh like is there any correlation to that like 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 what what could we talk about there yeah i guess i'm not real sure why they do that sometimes but you know, like any other, you know, creature out there, they can have their daily, you know, patterns of their own movements too. So, yeah, I mean, if, the, if you drill in the hole and the scuds all come out, if that was, if the entire water column was that packed with them, you probably wouldn't be catching any fish because they wouldn't have to work very hard to get a belly full. So they wouldn't be too interested in what the angler had to offer. Well, it seems like that's the case. I mean, it seems like that's the case sometimes. And like on the tougher bites, like from your from your professional opinion, like when an angler is marking a bunch of fish and not catching them or they're just not super like ramped up and, and active and crushing your bait. Like if it's, you know, Devil's Lake notoriously that, you know, that tough keep it holding still kind of bite um, is it, it would you in your professional opinion would you just say those are just full fish that just don't need to eat that much and and so they don't chase or you know it's maybe weather related too sometimes when they just you know a low pressure system just came through or something like that and it just tells them to kind of conserve their energy and you know wait for better times too well and sometimes those you know if the perch can't see that well down there on the on the bottom sometimes too they tend to have a little bit better success on perch on a kind of sunny days sometimes just because they can probably see a little bit better down there too mm, yeah 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 i mean the light is only going to penetrate so far and you know especially if you have a heavy snowpack and everything like that then it's even lower light conditions down there and so yeah i mean even you know whether it's a sunny or cloudy day can kind of impact perch a little bit too yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's just such a web. That's the things like Devil's Lake, so so diverse. There's so much going on that you just can't like like everything is a combination of ten things or twenty things. You know, just to get to the point where you're out there fishing and that to explain the fishing experience that you're trying to have. It's never, well, today was a tough day because of this one thing, or you know, today was a tough day because of this other one particular thing, just because of pike or just because of you know whatever. It's like you know, you got to have, you know, three, four, 
you got to have a good hatch and then you know the, those fish are gonna got to be three four five years old um and then and there's got to be plenty of them and um you know you got to be fishing somewhere where uh you know they they have enough to eat that they want to be there but not so much that they don't want to bite you and you know you're looking for a you know a good day a good weather day that's sort of conducive to all that and you know all those things like I, yeah it's like it's it's such a combination of thing it's it's like you said there's some of these relationships to these you know between like you're you're saying like a messy relationship between perch and northerns i feel like it's it's a messy relationship between anglers and the fish they're trying to catch <laughs> you know it's like we're, yeah, we're just trying to figure it out you know we're just trying to figure it out yeah i mean you know you can see really high fish abundance at times you know, some of our netting surveys on like other lakes, but then the anglers just don't do very well on them because they have plenty to eat. What are some other interesting things about the perch uh, that you think you'd be down to cover? I think is, is kind of interesting in your own, you know, you like to fish, you, you know, you got into this line of work for a reason. Like what are some of the more fun or, or some of the more interesting things about the perch on Devil's Lake in your mind, uh, just from your work experience? Well, I mean, kind of like we mentioned, they do tend to, you know, be pretty robust fish for their length. I mean, we see that in our data, too. And it's what's called, like, WR value, or it's called relative weight. WR is just short, but it's, it's kind of like a BMI, you know, body mass index for a person. But, you know, WR is for a fish. Right on. You know, and Devil's Lake tends to have really, you know, high WR fish especially the perch, maybe not necessarily all the fish anymore, but the perch and white bass especially tend to have pretty high WRs. So, you know, it indicates they're pretty well fed in general. And we've kind of seen all species that that's over the long term in Devil's Lake. That's kind of trended down. You see it in all the species, even the perch. So they aren't as well fed as they had been in the past, but you know, then again, we probably have more f- mouths to feed out there than we had in the past, too. I mean, the walleye population is a lot higher than it used to be in some of those, you know, kind of low water years, essentially. So it's probably more of a competition between all the different fish for the food that's out there, too. You know, where does the current water levels, you know, fit in the conversation of, like, just the success um or, you know, or, you know, uh, just the fishery in general? For the walleye, it, it doesn't really seem to have a lot of impact. And, you know, and on perch, it's, it wouldn't hurt to have higher water levels. if you, flew, you know, the more habitat you have for the spawning, the better, of course. But, you know, even if you don't get good water levels, if you're kind of declining, if there's still a decent amount of, you know, sub, leftover submergent vegetation, in places that they can still utilize that so they can still make it happen essentially and then yeah then it's it's still dependent on all those other factors later on too right 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 it's just that's the thing it's such it's such a web but everybody you know water levels are always a big kind of smaller in a kind of smaller scenario some of our other kind of small district lakes essentially we were hoping for some big perch year classes when we had like I really I think it was 2019 we had a really wet fall in places and you know there was a bunch of flooded vegetation and everything like that and you'd figure oh well they're gonna do really well in the spring you know but then they really didn't (laughs) something else was just you know the habitat was probably there but uh you know something else just wasn't there like the weather during the spawning period or you know a little food abundance for the you know baby fish essentially just wasn't there and they just didn't do all that well yeah purge so you know the stars got a kind of a line sometimes it seems like yeah 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 how often you you were kind of at the beginning of this kind of rattling off a few year classes on devil's lake like if you were to look at you know the as long as you've been here or as long as you understand the data like how often is there um, and you know, or what, what any, what you would consider average or above average or a really good year class of perch. How often does that really happen? Oh, I mean, it used to happen about every five years or so. So it was, yeah, it's pretty, 
spaced out, you know, previous to around 2015 or so more. I mean, not that it was a perfect relationship with that either, just like everything else. But, you know, lately we've seen a little more of those kind of kind of moderate year classes is what I'd probably call them. They weren't real high. They weren't real low. They're just kind of middle of the road. But yeah, I mean, you used to see them spaced out a little farther typically. And, you know, perch are a little bit like that too. If you get too much recruitment and too much reproduction, then they tend to be too many of them and then they can stunt and then that's no good either. So they probably eat each other too. I mean, it's almost probably really difficult to have, say, back to back to back top end year classes like that. Wouldn't even probably well, yeah, be able that's, to. You know, exist. it's called year class suppression. What you just kind of mentioned, if you know, there's a lot of, you know, fish from the year before, and they're hungry. Yeah, they're going to eat those little ones. They don't care. Right, right. <laughs> it's a choice. Free food. Starver. You know. Eat your baby brother. They're probably going to eat their baby brother. You know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I just think that, you know, as we go along in this conversation, I just can. I just. I just. Uh, it just helps me, just feel a little bit more open-minded about, you know, the status of the fishery. Like, and any time I go out, or any time I look back on a season, however many times I got out on Devil's Lake, or all the conversations I have about Devil's Lake, and everybody that gets out, you know, the, you know, whether you're you're following along on the guide services, their pages, and how successful they're being, and you know, all the blogs, or you know, all the chat rooms, and everybody that just talking about having good fishing or or bad fishing, and it seems like everybody wants to really whittle it down to very specific. Um, reasons or regulators, if you will, on, on what's going on out there. But it's like, it really starts with, you got to have a good year class, a good hatch that can survive for, say, if you were to look at um, like a 13 inch perch, you know, like a big, a trophy perch on Devil's Lake or, 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 a, or a, uh, you know, a, a fish that's 13 inches or bigger on Devil's Lake, cause they get caught, you know, throughout the system, like enough of them get caught till we know that there's a chance for any angler that goes out catch up a perch like that for that perch to get that big what would you say from from the hatch to that point where they get caught at that trophy size i mean what's the most difficult what tends to be the most difficult age or the most difficult portion of their life to reach that size probably right away in general i mean the once you get a year class they stay fairly consistent so you know you don't have wild swings in abundance after that you know that's that first that first summer essentially you know when they're the eggs are laid to whether you get those fish in the you know our fall reproduction nets is usually kind of what sets, you know, the tone essentially for how that year class is going to be, you know, and in some places like certain species like panfish and stuff, crappies and whatnot, you know, and maybe perch and the others as well, but it's kind of more noted in some of those other species, you know, you might get a lot of them, but then, you know, if they don't grow very well, if they don't have enough, you know, reserves to make it through the winter then that can impact them too but you know essentially in most fish's lives it's going to be that first summer essentially what happened in that first summer whether the eggs hatched and whether they found food and that's going to generally be what tends to you know set the strength of a year class of fish yeah i mean you know there's other potential bottlenecks too down the line but but that be, that's the biggest one, like, like you say, like yeah. the biggest, well, that's, yeah. the biggest you know, opportunity to make it not happen is right away. Yeah, you know, I mean, they they lay a lot of eggs <laughs> compared to to what actually, you know, ends up being you know, fish down the line. <laughs> so that's the most dangerous probably part in in their life is is right away. Yeah, finding something good to eat for the first 
three, four months. Right yeah. on. Or yeah, or even whether you were able to hatch at all as a fish if you know you had these really nasty cold front after cold front or something that just yeah didn't let them develop you know like they should have in the eggs or something like that and they just don't hatch very well and ideally you didn't want you know nice consistent warming weather and drives their development you know along nicely and they hatch out fairly quick but you know <laughs> it's weather that's a lot you to don't ask. always yeah. get that <laughs> that's a lot to ask it seems like a year in and year out anyways yeah right on man Right on. Well, I like it. I love it. I, we're covering some good stuff. I don't, I don't want this to be the end-all, be-all conversation between you and I. I think I just hope that this kind of gives some people just some things to think about and chew on when they're out there fishing, you know, just kind of help understand the, you know, the, the fishing experience that we're all having when we're out there, whether it's good or bad or in the middle and and that it's never just one particular big thing. So I appreciate all the info. But, you know, I haven't really asked you a whole lot about the walleyes. We should probably at least give some love, whether it's one minute or five minutes like give me a little synopsis on the status of the walleyes right now and uh, some of the year classes that you feel like you're seeing a lot of out there okay yeah i mean walleye reproduction and you know devil's lake i mean it's a a bit of a mix between natural fish and what we stock i mean it tends to be more so natural reproduction than, than what we're stocking essentially since oh 97 or so since the you know the lake came up that freshened up the water so it wasn't as saline and walleye i mean all fish are to some extent are all freshwater fish anyway i mean you're gonna have to have certain water quality for their eggs to hatch the egg stage is the most sensitive to the to the um, salt levels or the salinity but the story of Devil's Lake in general is kind of that, you know, the, the water levels here came up and that was a lot more favorable to, you know, especially walleye, but, you know, the hatching success of the walleye, they're probably the, one of the more sensitive species in the lake to that. So once the salinity levels kind of got better and better in the lake, it's still a little bit high. I mean, it probably doesn't completely inhibit their reproduction but uh, you know it's going to be impacting it over east because that's where the salinity levels are still kind of the highest but uh, yeah i mean in general they've been able to reproduce a lot more successfully so since that time they've been fairly consistent um we've seen some kind of periods where they weren't though some i mean one of the recent ones was like 2013 to 2015 where we had kind of three kind of yeah you know lower year classes all in a row and that showed up you know a few years ago and people weren't catching as many you know kind of keeper type walleyes just because they weren't as many of them there to start with so, I mean, when we saw that, we got a little more aggressive with, with stocking in the next few years to try to, you know, prop up their reproduction a little bit to, you know, kind of put our finger on the scale a little bit with the walleye. And then, you know, since that time, it's, you know, they've had pretty good reproduction since then, though. So that's translated into, you know, pretty high catch rates on our walleye and our test nets these last few years now and you know also good really good abundance of those kind of 15 to 20 inch type size keeper fish as well so walleye are actually riding pretty high in devil's lake right now like in your time working there where where would you say the status is of like the walleyes and you know the the opportunity from an angling standpoint is i mean it's very good right now if you know it's if not you know kind of record status one of the, so one of the better years you've one seen one of the highest yeah i mean overall numbers are really strong and you know the numbers of those kind of prime keeper size fish are really strong right now too for what we've seen you know since 1992 since we started kind of doing the you know devil's lake survey essentially 
so yeah, it's you know, walleyes are riding high right now. I like hearing that. Everybody likes hearing that. No doubt about oh, yeah. it. No doubt about it, man. Were you? Uh, well, I got to imagine that you either saw or you heard about the big weights at the NWT tournament in September. Were, were you surprised by any of that? Oh, I mean, no. I mean, the, you know, the, there's a good amount of you know big walleyes out there. You know, big lake like Devil's Lake. There's going to be yeah. some big fish. Yeah. Our, our, you know, our nets don't sample the real top end walleye like that because our mesh size is not big enough to catch them all that effectively. That makes sense. So, I mean, we don't, you know, and they're not necessarily the focus of the survey either. It's, so, yeah, we don't have great numbers on like the top, top end walleye out there in our survey, but you know, they've been fairly consistent. I mean, in you know, reality, there'll be more of them than what your nets indicate. Yeah. I'm getting that, I guess. But. Interpreting game and fish data on a, on a website. And we're looking at that, you know, we're looking for how many big fish are caught in these nets, but what a great point. It's like, you gotta, you gotta ask more questions in that because when those test nets are out, like, you know, they're out there for whatever, you know, for whatever species at a certain time of year, like the net itself is, it might not necessarily be trying to catch the top end or we're not focused on it anyways. Right. So if yeah. one gets caught in there, you're going to count it or that that's going to show up, but that's not exactly what the study is for. And so that's, you know, that's some of that stuff can be really disguised you know, or really camouflaged that there can be fisheries or places, you know, I've, I'm saying that from an optimistic standpoint, it's like, there's probably a lot of places that don't necessarily show a lot of game and fish data, net data on big fish being caught. But, um, yeah, I mean, it just depends on how they're surveying. If, you know, the survey methods aren't conducive to catching the top end fish, you're not going to, it's not going to yeah. look like there's all that many of them when yeah you know, when there might be. be more than you think yeah, yeah there might be there's certainly more than you think but how many is there a fishable population you know still as anglers there's still so many of these these question marks these still these open you know sort of frontiers that you can go pioneer if you will and nowadays with forward sonar and all the fishing techniques that we talk about like you know it's so much fun to go out and sort of discover this stuff that's um you know, not a lot of light has been shined on some of that stuff, but you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I just think that that's just another little wrinkle that I find to be kind of an interesting when you talk about to anglers about picking lakes and destinations to fish, or maybe they have a home body of water somewhere and they, they look at the, you know, the, the, the game and fish data, anything that they can find, you know, that's, that's out there on these lakes and they're doing their research they might choose a particular body of water over another based on how many big fish of a certain species were, you know, in the nets in a certain year or whatever it is. And maybe to some extent there's something to it, but there's, it's always, there's always, you know, just so many more factors to it. And a lot of nets, if they're just not built for it, if that study's not, not for that uh, situation and that fish, then they're just might not, you might not be able to get that information unless you just go out there and try to find them and catch them. And I feel like that, that happened a little bit in that NWT tournament with all those, those really big weights, just a lot of big weights. It wasn't just, you know, the guys that won or, you know, finished in the top five had big weights. It was like, man, oh man. Um, there was, some, yeah, I mean, uh, it did well. Yeah, it did. It boded well. And it makes so much sense that Devil's Lake would be full of nice fish and that, you know, as angling, as we get better and we at finding fish and catching them and all that, um, that we would start to discover some of these things a little bit, but I feel like devil's lakes probably had a lot of big, a lot of big walleyes in it for a very long time that we were just, you know, just hard, hard to get a handle on, uh, from well, a fishing most, standpoint. You, know, you kind of said something about the average angler. I mean, the average angler out there really is looking for those, top end fish and their tactics necessarily either they're looking to catch keepers for the most part and you yeah you'll look into you know one of those big walleyes every now and then but you know if you really want those trophies you almost have to you got to be dedicated hunt to it. them essentially absolutely kind of like absolutely buck or something like that but absolutely man for sure well i tell you what todd i've definitely eaten up a lot of your time 
I love it. I think this is a great kind of first time. I hope you I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you you, you had a little bit of fun because I definitely am going to as long as you're working um, uh, on Devil's Lake, uh, you know, in the fisheries department, I'm always going to have questions for you. Um, and uh, hopefully we can do it again down the road with, you know, maybe some other specific topics. But yeah, man, I just love kind of telling a little bit more of the story, sort of the origin story, you know, for the perch on Devil's Lake and what their real life cycle is and, and sort of explaining all that and, and, uh, you know, you know, painting that picture a little bit, getting a good update on the walleyes and, uh, yeah. But anyways, Todd, I appreciate the time, dude. We can close this out. I want to kind of have you maybe promote yourself or maybe an email address or a phone number. If anybody ever had questions uh, for you that were appropriate, um, if, if you want to throw something like that out there. Otherwise, we can wrap this up. I know we could go. I could ask you a thousand more questions, but hopefully down the road I can have you on again and we can keep on with this. Yeah, I mean, that'd be that'd be fun. So, yeah, I mean, we didn't talk about walleye all that much, but, yeah, there's a little more to talk about there and everything For else, sure. too. So, but yeah, I mean, my, you know, if folks want to contact me, I mean, they can look at, you know, Game of Fish website and I think find me that way, you know, it lists, you know, the various biologists and where our what office we're in essentially and um, you know on my email is just like tcaspers at nd.gov and then my my work sale is 701-739-6869 so man i appreciate you putting that stuff out there and and you'll definitely be hearing from me all the time i just i don't know i'm always fascinated by this stuff and all the little learnings and and all these little things that kind of you know, just from an education standpoint, I think an educated angler is a better angler. Uh, teaches us about conservation. Teaches us uh, ultimately just probably how to catch fish. Sometimes, you know, if we can kind of understand more about all these things, we're just going to be better at finding them and and catching them when we do find them. So, all good things, Todd. Well, hopefully, you get a chance to get out and do some fishing this winter, and maybe we'll get lucky and cross paths. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I haven't really been out. Yeah, it's getting been kind of a slow start to the ice fishing season up here with the kind of opposite of what we had last year it's kind of a mild winter so far yeah yeah but when it cracks off of course if it stays kind of open and guys can get around it isn't too much snow out there it's gonna be it's gonna be wild yeah we had too much snow last year <laughs> yeah it was tough to get around 